Hello, and welcome to week two of the Feel Podcast. I'm so happy to have you all back with us and to all of our new listeners. Welcome, welcome. You get to meet the crooks this week, and this is my family, my three daughters, and my husband. And this is going to be a two part series. So you're going to hear part one today. And really, what I was hoping would be the case when we sat down to do this conversation is that it would sound like we were just sitting around a table talking to each other. And I feel like I feel like we did that early on. You're going to hear a lot of love and cheering for each other. You're going to hear everyone be introduced by their character traits that they name themselves. And then we're going to get down to the nitty gritty. Then we're going to really start talking about the challenges and hard stuff and things that we've faced when it comes to boundaries, how to do it without overdoing it, making sure it matches your values and that you're not just setting the boundary for the sake of setting a boundary, making sure you're not saying no to life, um, making sure that you will allow for flexibility without um, allowing for humans to be humans. And sometimes things have to change without, you know, violating what is best for your self-care. We talk about self-care, um, the importance of valuing ourselves enough to really be intentional about it and not have it just be something we check off the list. Um, and we're going to talk about how emotional and physical health are connected and how our journeys have taught us that and how all these things work together, the self-care, the boundaries, and how they tie into that emotional and physical health. You're going to hear us talk a lot about the challenges we faced on our own as individuals and with each other as we were learning at different times how to put things into place. It hasn't always been something um, that we've navigated very well or very easily. We sound like we love each other fiercely. You can hear that early on. But um, but we've had our challenges along the way, and we're going to address that. And we're also going to talk about resources that we've used that we have found helpful. And you will be able to find those listed on our website, embracinglayers.com. Um, if you look in the show notes, you'll see a lot about each of our backgrounds. And then also follow us on Instagram um, at Embracing Layers, and we will highlight these different things. Um, but today, I just hope you enjoy this conversation as we dive into self-care, boundaries, and emotional and physical health. Um, take care, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining me tonight. My name is Melissa Crook. This is the Feel Podcast, and I am honored to have with me tonight my family, my people, the people that know me as well or better than I know myself. Um, and I knew that I could not move forward with this podcast very far without introducing you all to um, these people. Um, I've learned more from these people than I've learned from anyone else. And so in order for you to have real insight to me and, and my journey, um, it's important for you to, to meet them and hear from them and hear about all the things I've learned from them and what we've learned from each other. So uh, on that note, um, we're going to talk about you know, some of the things I've learned from them. Um, their ability to hold space for multiple emotions at one time. 
um, their ability to hold space for someone else's emotions while still feeling their own, not denying their own. Um, I saw my daughters, especially you're going to meet in a minute. I'm doing this really well early on, um, healthy emotional journeys, and we're finding real peace in it. And I was watching them. I'm like, I've never felt like that. I've never, I've never had that compass. Uh, And I want to get to where they are because they are able to navigate things in a way that bring them real peace that I want that to be part of my life too. Um, And they also... And this is my husband included, especially in this. Um, they have an ability to see the positive in all situations without it becoming toxic positivity. And what I mean is they can see the positive and they know there's a way to, to do it. And we can do hard things. Thank you, Glennon Doyle, and all that we've learned from you. Um, but they don't deny that it's the emotions around it that maybe it's hard. I mean, yes, we can do this. Yes. I'm capable of this. Yes, I'm smart enough, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. So, and that's what I mean about they really are able to feel all the things and avoid the toxic positivity. Another thing I'm going to do that I mentioned in the first episode is I'm going to introduce them today by their character traits. If you want to know about all of the wonderful, amazing things they do, you can see that in the show notes on our website, embracinglayers.com. Follow us on Instagram at at embracinglayers. But um, today you're going to hear about their character traits. And I think as we talk today, you're really going to get a chance to see those play out organically as we have our conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to start with my husband of 27 years, Brady. Hello, Brady. Hello, Melissa. How are you, babe? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for the invite to be a part of your awesome podcast. Where I'm excited anyway for us to be your first guest. I know. I know. Very exciting. And I get to practice on you guys too. Good thing. So Brady and I have been together for 27 years in August. Yay us. Looks like we made it. Thank you, Shania Twain. Because nobody, except for us and a few select friends, thought we had a snowball's chance yet here we are thriving yeah there's stories about that maybe we'll get into them maybe we will (laughs) maybe we will there are zero definitely some stories about that but here we are and particularly like the one where was it an uncle gave us half a hundred dollar bill and told us if we were still married in a year that they'd give us the other half it wasn't an uncle you always want to make him my uncle but he was a family friend Ah, yes yes that's great that's dad's That's my favorite that's his favorite story Favorite story. There's others. Maybe another time. I think we should have an episode with just you and I. Oh, okay. But we'll get to that later. All right. So the Brady. Brady is a seeker. Brady is humble. Brady is optimistic. Brady is discerning. And Brady is a galvanizer. And I think that all of us, ladies, tell me if you agree, but I think we can all agree that those are pretty spot on for Brady. Here, here. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Kylie, for coming up with probing questions last week to get those out of Brady, because Brady really wanted us to write his character traits for him. And we're like, no, 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 you know, you know. And Kylie, Kylie helped with that. So thank you, Kylie. would like to spotlight dad, though, if I literally asked one question, <laughs> he had his five traits. And I was like, dad, you know yourself so well. 
this is great. So it wasn't a hard job. It wasn't a hard job. Yes. All right. Our oldest, lovely daughter, our bug, Sierra Colleen Crook, 26 years old. The sisters are doing a dance for her because they all love each other very much. I wish you could see them on Zoom right now. Sierra, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Good, good, good. Our bug, that's her nickname, our little ladybug, because she was cute as a bug in a rug when she was born. She still is. Give me a lot of street street cred right now. I know, I know. (laughs) All right. No one else calls her bug outside the family, so just so you know. Um, Sierra is nurturing, tender, strong, courageous, and playful. Here, here. Absolutely. Again, sisters high-fiving all aboard with that. All right. Next in line is our middleest daughter, Kylie Ann. Hello, Kai. Hi, Mom. Kai Kai, it's good to have you with us. Kai Kai is her nickname. We weren't as original with as we went along. It's good to be here. Happy to be with y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Kylie is adventurous, insightful, empathetic, sensitive, and inquisitive. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, she is. Again, more high fives. How well the sisters know themselves and each other. All right. And our beautiful youngest, Courtney Court. Courtney Nicole Crook. Thanks for joining us, babe. Hey. (laughs) Now I have to throw in. These ladies are joining us from all over the country. Brady and I are sitting here in Lubbock, Texas, in our closet recording because, you know, good sound effects. Kylie is on mute because she's laughing so hard right now. Courtney just sent Kylie. (laughs) (laughs) We've lost Kylie. (laughs) Kylie's joining us from Greensboro, North Carolina. Soon to be moving to Michigan. So yeah, on her way. She's a University of Michigan Wolverine as a grad student. Woohoo! Sierra's joining us from Huntington Beach, California. Soon to be moving Costa to Mesa. Costa, Costa Mesa. Mesa. That's True. right. You moved from Huntington Beach to Costa Mesa. And there's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> and Courtney is joining us from Corvallis, Oregon. Go Beavs. Go Beavs, baby. So we are coming at you from all the time zones tonight. And it was quite, it's quite the ordeal getting us all together between our jobs and time zones. But here we are. Courtney is a loyal, tender, protective, witty, and creative. Here, here. Uh-huh. Oh. Absolutely. More high fives from the sisters. All right, folks, let's move on here. I, we're going to have a conversation tonight about um, the different things that I introduced in episode one, because, uh, and we're going to have everybody is going to get a chance to kind of throw in and have a conversation about where they are in their journey on these different areas. Um, and I'm excited for you to hear from them because I think you're going to be um, impressed and excited about, you know, how they've gotten to where they are. And Abby who's one of our staff members and also Kylie's roommate um, made a comment to me 
when we were talking about recording this episode, she's like, I just want it to sound like a conversation around the dinner table. My, one of my favorite things is to sit around a dinner table with your family and just listen to you interact with each other. So that's essentially what we're going to do tonight. We're going to pretend we're around a dinner table together and um, interact with you. It, it is a full dinner table. Yeah. From all over the country. All right. Um, we're going to start off with the first thing point I want to hit on is how to prioritize self-care in your life and what lo- that looks like for each of you. So um, Sierra, why don't you kick us off and then we're just going to go from there. We're going to, you guys jump in as you're ready, beat off each other's comments. Yeah. So I think um, for me, I'll speak from my perspective. Uh, prioritizing self-care in my life has really first come from having like a really like the mindset of how I think about myself in the first place. So I've been able to prioritize self-care once I have believed that I was worthy enough to receive it. Mm -hmm. I have believed that I was worthy to be taken care of by myself, worthy of rest, worthy of that I was enough, things like that, that I would say that's If I didn't have that, I don't think I could have prioritized self-care. Otherwise, it's just like a thing to do on the checklist. Um, So that's where I think I started was a really long journey into that I'm still on, believing that I'm worthy of it in the first place. And then around like from there, it just turned into being able to say, like, identify what I need and say that it's worth the time to get it. And we might get into this, but like setting boundaries, communicating to the people around me. Um, luckily I have like very supportive partner and friends in my life now where if I say I need alone time, then I can get that pretty easily. But for sure, it, it, I think previously it meant saying no sometimes to things that people like didn't understand why saying no to people who thought like they really needed me in that moment, things like that, um, that it's like hard. So I had to understand why I was doing it and be, be able to really get clear on like what, what was okay, what was not okay, what I needed and when I needed it and, and saying that I was worth getting that. And I think really the motivation came from recognizing that like I, if I was going to give anything, to anyone in leadership or anything else. Um, like I had to be like absolutely taking care of myself before I could take care of anyone else. And so a place of abundance almost. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. Um, and understand, yeah. understanding like I, it's actually, if I am leading people, it's kind of irresponsible for me to not take care of myself and not to have self care. Um, and then try to go take care of other people. Cause then I'm just, I mean, Plenty of people talk about this. I'm not the first to bring this up, but then I'm just resentful. Then I'm just angry. Then I'm just jealous that other people have boundaries and I don't. Um, so, I mean, Brene Brown recently on her latest podcast just talked about this. So, um, I think that was the mindset behind it. And then getting into boundaries is more tangible. Maybe we'll talk about that more, but, um, the mindset behind it was crucial for me. What self-care looks like for me is I'm an introvert. So it's a lot of alone time. I mean, I could probably just tell you this morning I woke up, uh, I made myself, uh, I didn't start work till 11. So I made myself a slow back breakfast. I journaled 
free form three pages uh, before I like spoke to anyone. I drank a cup of coffee while I did that. I meditated afterwards. I went on a walk without a podcast, just like silence. Um, so things like that, that are like pretty simple. I mean, this morning I had a long morning, but on a morning when I work at six 30, it's like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to go on a walk before I get ready or just like setting aside time that I can check in and ask myself, like, how am I doing? What do I need? And how can I get it? Um, and then going like that is, is self-care, I think. And, and really lately for me, I think I'm also in a season of being given permission to just ask like, and what do you want to do? Like when I wake up in the morning, just like kind of checking in and be like, what do you want to do today? What do you need? How can you get it? How can you make time for it? And it, me being getting really familiar with myself and my inner voice and, and listening to that and, and letting that lead in a lot of ways, but, um, it's a lot of alone time, a lot of good coffee, a lot of journaling, walking, but it looks different in every season for me. Yeah. So, well, I think you hit on a really important point that you have to believe you are important enough or worthy of self-care for it to really be meaningful and for you to make it a priority. And I think that that is the biggest thing that we miss out on. I I know as women, especially when there's all these things that the culture expects from us that we, you know, it it becomes a checklist item. Like you said, I'm like, all right, I did my workout today. Check. I did my quiet time today. Check. And instead, and then you wonder, you get out of it. You're like, boy, I didn't, don't really feel rested and fulfilled, but boy, I checked it off my list. There's a big difference between that and like, no, I'm worthy of this. This is, I'm going to take my time for this and I'm going to make this a priority because I am, I'm good. And I, I deserve that. And to be the best me that I can be for myself and for my people. So, but I really like that. That, I mean, I liked all that you said, but that really stuck out to me. I really like it too, Bug. And, and I was thinking about what you just said, Melissa. Um, it's the best place to operate from when building that self-compassion, self-care place, like Sierra described it, but you don't necessarily have to have it. Um, I actually arrived or am arriving at it because I'm really just now a year and a half year into this journey of really being intentional about my self-care. But if you don't operate from a space that Sierra just uh, talked about and do that hard work over a long time, like she talked about, then you end up where I'm at at 53 and having tremendous somatic uh, issues that doctors can't describe um, or can't diagnose. I mean, and all that, and then you have to deal with it and you're coming at it from an age of 53 instead of what I'm really impressed with, with our daughters of starting the journey much earlier than and you and I have talked about this. So I think I can say this, you yeah. and I have started that journey. Yeah. And so it's a different route to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you, it's harder. Well, I don't know. I think Sierra's done really hard work. I she, think she's yes. just, she just doesn't have as many Kylie years of it. Yeah. But they've done it from a different spot and a more intentional spot instead of going, my goodness, I have to do something yeah. different at age 53 because it's not working. It's not how working. I've done it up yeah. till now. Yeah. My body's some, screaming at me. Sometimes I feel like form has to precede spirit. Sometimes you need to like put aside 
self-care and do it even if you don't believe you're worthy of it yet. And that can help inform you that you're enough and worthy of it. So yeah, I think it's a give and take. It's, it's constantly like, sometimes I'm in a place where I'm like, I'm just like epic worthiness. And that's where I'm doing it from. Sometimes I'm doing it because I know I need it and it reminds me of my worthiness. So I think that's a good point to add. I think it doesn't have to go in that order and, and form can proceed spirit sometimes to, to help you. Yeah, I really like that Sierra too, because starting it when I actually am practicing it, I'm in such a better spot. And I do have gratitude and belief in, in my self-worth when I'm practicing. If I get outside of that, I'm kind of starting over, but. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Very good points. All right. Dad, you want to go next? Well, I kind of started. Um, you did. And you've got kind of the 30,000 foot view of my journey, but really has just recently started uh, working through some significant issues from my childhood um, that have just, it's time to deal with them, um, to integrate them uh, into my whole self instead of it being siloed. Um, and so for me, it, it really has been slowing down. I was, have been a very hard charger going through higher education, first in athletics and, and now on the academic side. Um, and just now realizing that, uh, really from a lot of what Sierra said, I haven't been operating from a full cup. Um, and that has taken its toll on me. Um, so far more intentional about self-care now than just a couple of years ago. Um, but really from a prioritization standpoint, um, I'm usually pretty good, especially since being in the therapy for just over a year, um, and helping to build these skills in myself. Um, I can tell you, you know, today is an example. Um, I watched a movie last night that, uh, really triggered me, uh, precious tough movie. Don't know if anybody's watched precious, uh, be ready for a little bit of a ride. If, um, if you are going to watch it, mm -hmm. um, and it triggered me. And so today I didn't go into work. Um, I wanted to make sure I was taking care of myself. <laughs> Courtney is snapping the fingers for dad right now. now I will say this is a big journey for him. People <laughs> big journey five, 10 years ago. There is no chance this man would have stayed home. Yeah, but it was a realization. I mean, it was a tough night. It did trigger me. I woke up and I wasn't in a great spot. I wasn't going to be real effective at work until I did some work myself. So I went for, a long walk, which uh, is usually a, a go-to for me, uh, pretty uh, consistent with that. Um, but for me, uh, listened to some music, uh, really did some journaling and just sat quietly, um, some mindfulness and some reflection mm -hmm. um, to really try and, and get myself to a better spot. I would will say later in the day, I did take some team meetings from home. We're all in that pandemic world. So I've got a little office at home that I can still do team meetings. <laughs> Um, but I ended up taking the the morning off and really just focusing on myself and processing what, um, you know, I uh, was dealing with after watching the movie and all the rest and just finding ways to to be intentional about me. In the old days, I would have just, OK, I'm going to go. I'm going to soldier on. I'm going to go to work. Nobody's going to see a thing. I'm not going to let myself feel anything. And that's why I'm at where I'm at at 53. <laughs> yeah. You that's a huge step for you. So I don't I don't Dad, want to. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, Court. Dad, it's such a good job. Yeah. Dad, Thanks, good lady. job, Dad. Yeah, these these ladies love their dad. And and because he is, they would all tell you the best girl dad ever. 
these girls make it easy. Beautiful young women that you are. Yes, young women. I'm the most blessed girl that ever. There we go. There we go. All right. Who's up? I can pick up um, off dad. Um, dad, yeah. Courtney and Sierra said, really, that's that's really awesome. I'm really proud of you for doing that. Um, I think that's a huge step, not only um, in our own individual worlds, but also like collectively in the society that we live in. We don't, um, it's almost as if the system is set up so that we don't interact with our bodies on a conscious level on a day-to-day basis, or we don't like have time to, or there's not tools or resources to, so that we will keep going. We will keep grinding because if we don't keep going at the pace that our society is taking us, then production won't actually get done. And actually the whole system will be forced to slow down. So when I think about self-care lately, I've been thinking about like, Oh, it's actually almost a form of resistance for me to interact with my body on a highly conscious level, to get intimate, to, um, connect on a deep level with my body every single day. Because when I do that, um, I actually am forced to go at a slower pace and at a pace that where I'm demanding less of myself. Um, and so that's, that's really cool that you did that. It's almost like a little act of resistance. I do want to speak to self-care because I do think there's layers of privilege within it. Um, and I, I want to speak on that because there are a lot of, people, communities, circumstances that can't afford self-care. And like, we are all in this family, I think um, extremely privileged, but on varying levels, depending on our job occupation and stuff like that. But I have coworkers, I have friends who like, and I know people who wouldn't be able to take the day off. And so what does it mean for accessible um, mechanisms to self-care? What does it mean to prioritize mental health when we're talking about paid leave, when we're talking about PTO, when we're talking about just like a valid reason to not go into work um, today? Mental health days are just now, I think, becoming yeah. um, kind of like a brand or like a the lingo in the last 10 years. And so I'm thinking about um, what dad did and I feel like really grateful that he did that. Um, but I'm also like, there's a lot of people who that privilege is not afforded to them. Um, of when something is triggering or something is hard, you have to go into work the next day, because if you don't, then there's no food, there's no clothing, there's no, the bill, the bills aren't paid. And that's very, very real. So I think about self-care both and how commodified it's become, um, in our society. And like, it's almost become a brand, um, Mm -hmm. when we think about like superficial levels of self-care. So getting below the brand and then really like indulging in, um, intentional self-care for myself. So what does it mean for me, um, to actually like move almost from self-care to self-indulgence to like self-love in that moment of like, I can put on a face mask for 10 minutes and like maybe feel good about my skin or I can call like leave work early because I have a headache, which I did today because I had a stress induced headache and go home and do yoga for an hour and a half and like really get to know like what's understanding and what's going on in my body and why I have a headache um, instead of just taking that 10 minutes of face masks. So I think speaking of speaking on what dad said, I think it's both knowing when to stop and also knowing how deep to go um, in those moments of uh, some days, I just want a bubble bath. And like, that's enough for me. A couple of weeks ago, gas filled all over me at the gas station when I was about to have a really fun date night with Takunda. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to literally, like, I needed a bubble bath. Like bubbles are what made me feel better. That's how I got out of my funk because I was <laughs> distraught. 
Um, my, yes, she was. This is trait, not a lie. <laughs> no, my sixth, my sixth trait, and I'm proud of this one. I don't think it's a negative one. Is dramatic. Like I, like I go in and I go deep, and I went deep that night. Most sisters are laughing right now. That's <laughs> like the only way. The only way I'll get out is this bubble bath, and it worked. But days like today, it's like nope. Like my body is heavy. Like it is grieving. It is working through something. I have to go deeper, or else. I'm going to go into work tomorrow just as exhausted and probably have another stress-induced headache. So I think there's layers of privilege to self-care. And I also think it's important for um, me to identify when I'm doing self-care because it's like cute and popular and trendy. Um, mm-hmm. But when I actually, what am I practicing in self-care and what am I practicing that's actually going to push me forward and evolve me um, more into alignment with myself? So. Mm. Good stuff, Kai. Awesome stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, very good point on the privilege piece. I think that is really important in this kind of this capitalistic culture that we live in and these people that are working hard. I mean, we live in Texas where the minimum wage is low and people are having to work two and three hourly jobs where they're working seven days a week and just to put food in their family's mouths. So um, you know, I think the whole other discussion is what does self-care look like for them? I mean, is there a space for them to take five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour somewhere where they can actually just focus on themselves because they are giving so much all the time. So yeah, that's, that is super valid point, Kylie. Thank you for bringing that up. All right, Cordy Court. Um, yeah, I feel like for myself, uh, until in like this last year, really, until I went kind of deeper into the um, more meaningful stuff that Kai was kind of touching on. I didn't like the surface level stuff didn't really mean all that much. So I think for me, like most fundamentally um, self-care has been like coming back to myself or kind of like learning about myself for the first time, even um, trusting myself and then kind of redefining things that I either like inadvertently let people define and choose for me or like overtly kind of just let people decide. So like most recently in a handful of different ways, it's kind of looked like being more aware and intentional of like the spaces I'm in and the people I find myself around um, and just like no longer staying in unhealthy and harmful um, environments and calling that like brave or strong or right while simultaneously kind of like giving into the fear or the top belief even that -hmm. quitting or leaving is like wrong or weak somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that just comes from like remembering that I have autonomy Um, and I know myself best and because I know myself best, I make like really, really, really good decisions for myself, um, which I found out last year, um, just like was playing college volleyball at school in New York, ended up quitting and like going to the opposite side of the country to come to OSU, uh, to study art when I was studying business and just like found out that I got into the art program the other day and, um, like all (laughs) all these different things. Um, so yeah, I think it's just been getting to know myself and then, and then I'm just more quiet and introverted and kind of always have been super introspective. And so, um, just kind of getting to 22 years old and be like, I don't have to have a lot of friends. I probably never will, but my God, the friends I have are friggin' legit. Including ride or dies, baby. They are ride or dies. So, um, yeah, just kind of finding out how personal self-care is. And I don't think like I have stuff in common, obviously, with Kai and Sierra since we're so close. But um, 
like outside of that, there's not a ton of like people or spaces out there that I would say look exactly like the self-care that I have chosen for myself type of thing. So yeah, I think just realizing how personal it is because I think until I went kind of into the depth, I like, I'm not, I don't take naps. I'm not a yoga person. Like, (laughs) um, those type of things that people generally think of when they think of self-care, like self-care for me could be like taking myself out to coffee or like going to the beach, especially nowadays. Um, cause the Oregon coast is like one of my favorite places that exists, but a lot of times it's also like putting on music and cleaning my room because simple and tidy spaces are like what brings me the most peace or like taking my car for an oil change or vacuuming out the inside <laughs> brings, <laughs> brings me an undeniable kind of inner peace <laughs> that I can't explain. Um, so stuff like that. It's just like super mundane, but I love it. And then like, and then the cleaning the room inevitably turns into a little dance party, which is great. Um, or even just like cooking myself a really, really, really good meal. That's also like nourishing, but hearty. So, yeah. I love what you, how you've spoken to how everyone needs to find their own space and place for self-care and what it looks like because your self-care looks very different than your sister's self-care because it in a lot of ways, not in all ways, but in a lot of ways, but it, because it fits you. And I think we sometimes get locked into these spaces where I must meditate. I must do yoga. I must, you know, do these things and do those things if they feel good. But I can tell you, I did not start doing yoga until a year and a half ago, because that is just not what worked for me. I got to a space in my life and tried it again. And and it's really helped me, but that's not the space I was in 10 years ago. So that's another thing too, is these things are going to change over seasons just because it works for these guys now in their twenties doesn't mean that's where you're going to be when you're in your thirties or forties. So also being open to change and continuing to examine what that looks like for you in the different seasons you go into. But I thought your point court was really, really, really important about that. What looks right for you, not, not what commodified world tells you is what self-care is supposed to look like. So thanks for bringing that up. All right. Are we ready for boundaries, babes? I recognize probably three years ago, Sierra, I think, started it first more just from being older and some experiences she'd had and people she was learning from this idea of boundaries. And she would talk about, no, I don't have the space for that right now. Or no, can we visit us later? And I'm just like, no, we need to talk about it right now. Why are we visiting it later? I mean, I had no concept of what that looked like, what that meant. Brady's nodding his head vigorously because I would just be like, what the frick? Why why are we pushing this off? And then, but then within that simultaneously, I was recognizing the peace and the contentment that was coming within that from her. And it took me about two years where I was like, there might be something to this boundary thing. And I can tell you, I've been setting them myself for the first time in the last year and man, what a difference. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I turned it over to bug because I think she kind of started that and sisters closely behind, like only because really they're younger and just had 
different experiences at different times. And I think in some ways, started doing it in their own journey, in their own way, kind of what they learned from her, but saw what she was doing and be like, hmm, that looks healthy. So, all right. Back to you, Bug, now that we have context. Yeah. Yeah. So I think for me and my personal journey, I definitely started learning about these, about the idea of boundaries when I started learning about the idea of values. Um, So is this concept that like, I care about things that nobody else in the world cares about quite as exactly, or um, like the things that I care about matter and I should pay attention to them and I should honor them because that's how I like honor myself and live a fulfilling life. Um, And from the things that matter, then comes boundaries. Um, And I think I, the idea that like boundaries help you honor values is important to me, I think, because um, otherwise it just looks like no a lot. (laughs) And I think you can like just overdo it sometimes. But it's this concept of like your boundaries are there to help you honor your values. Um, so I would say that's when I first started learning about them, but to be kidding, can I curse on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. Shit didn't get real. Hell, <laughs> um, a, pand- a pandemic happened. A country's reckoning with uh, racial injustice happened at the same time that an insane, very difficult work season, uh, like mm-hmm. hardest work social season in my life, happened all at the same time in this like shit storm of um, like you're gonna learn to take care of yourself or you're gonna flounder Sierra. Um, so started happening to me, uh, about a year and a half ago. And that's when I got really, really serious about boundaries. And it all came from the guidance of St. Brene Brown and St. Glennon Doyle. So (laughs) they like, I'm not gonna say anything they haven't said, but this one story in particular, and I literally FaceTime Kylie when this happened, but I was like in this crazy work season, I was leading a cohort of like 30 plus college coaches. I was in way over my head, not to mention everything else going on in the world. I had all the emotions and a friend came to me and was like, Hey, on Friday, um, I mean, I'm working like a 50 hour plus work week. Plus I'm, I'm an intuitive, emotional empath. And so I'm just like feeling all the feelings. And a friend came to me and was like this Friday, why don't we, um, make a fun dinner and surprise. So her boyfriend, our other friend's boyfriend and my partner, uh, why don't we surprise the boys with dinner? Uh, and it'll be so fun. And it was such a good, I like kudos to her. This is not a criticism. Like, yes, you go for it. If you got that energy. Awesome. But at the time, uh, me and one of the girlfriends worked together. So she was also working a crazy work week. And then two of the boyfriends, not including my partner, weren't working. They were, they were like, but they were financially okay. They were like, weren't working financially okay. So I say, yes. I'm like, sure, let's do it. I've got a 60 hour work week, but let's go in. And then I get done with that conversation. I'm like, what, what, why is no one making me dinner? (laughs) Why, why am I making, why am I making dinner for people who are not working right now? What? And I just saw like resentment, like crazy, Mm -hmm. just like skyrocket and realized that's not her fault. It wasn't her, like, I was so resentful. I was so angry. I was so ticked off and recognized like, hold on, a boundary is only allowed to be crossed of mine. If I let someone cross it, I give that permission. 
And so that's when I got really serious when I recognized all this resentment coming up in me and heard Brene Brown talk about that. Like resentment is the number one way that you like stop caring about people. Yeah. Uh, it's like the number one thing that gets in the way of you caring about people. And as a, someone who is leading lots of people, I was like, I can't afford to stop caring about people. Um, and so it became a really serious thing for me of like, if I want to be a a good leader, if I want to care for people well, if I want to love my, my family, my people well, I have to set boundaries. And what that means to me is recognizing, um, what is okay and what is not okay. That's straight from Brene Brown. So what is okay and what's not okay as far as things like that can come and be around me. And I think that can look different in different seasons. Like I said, it's all based on your values. Um, but yeah, it became for me things like, um, it is not okay to not try to empathize or understand other people. It's not okay. It is okay to be frustrated with things people do. It's okay to need to get that frustration out sometimes, but it's not okay to not try to understand or empathize with other people's stories. That's just not okay for myself, for me, or around me. It's not okay to take my time without my consent, you know, things like that. But it is okay for, to ask for my time. And it's also okay for me to say no. So things like that, where it's like, what is okay? What's not okay? All with the guidepost of like, this is so I can fight to honor my values so that I am not just constantly accidentally resentful all the time. Because then it's like, I showed up to that dinner. I made dinner for people and I hated them the whole time. I was just seething. I'm like, you, yeah, you enjoy that taco. What have you done this week? And so, and that's not fair to them. It's like, I want to enjoy the people I'm around. So when now with like our family, when someone's like, Hey, I got something hard to share. Can I share it? I'll say no and reschedule because I want to be fully present with them because they matter enough to me, but I can't show up halfway if a boundary is being crossed because then I'm not honoring them or myself. So that's, that's been my experience with boundaries ever. Like all the time, I will say it's like me walking around and being like bumping into things and be like, Oh, I guess there needs to be a boundary there. I didn't know, <laughs> but I'm angry or like running into something else and be like, Oh, I'm crying. I guess there needs to be a boundary there. So this is like always growing and learning. And I'm kind of in a season last thing I'm kind of in a season now of learning. Like I became heavily boundaried in a really hard season that I'm now coming out of. Mm -hmm. And it's reassessing of like, wow, I can become less boundary now. Yeah. I don't need to put up as gnarly, like as, as hard of boundaries as I did then. Cause I'm around safer people. I'm in a healthier space. I it's a less crazy season. I'm feel healthier mentally. And so even learning that balance of like swinging heavy into boundaries and now being able to come out of those boundaries a little bit too. And just based on the season, always asking what is okay for me right now? What's not okay um, around me. And sometimes those things don't change, but, but sometimes they do. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that you reached out to Kai. So how did Kai help you navigate this? Yeah. Kai, I think it was, she, she was so good. Something along the lines of like, what you feel is valid. That's great. Also, you made a commitment. So you can't back out. <laughs> so how, I think you asked the question kind of like, how can you honor what you're feeling? Um, and even though you're owning that you're going to show up, the boundary has been crossed. 
you're owning that it's on you. And I think that's the important part. It's not, I didn't put it on the person who asked me about dinner. It's not, yeah. it wasn't her fault. It's like, I, I have ownership here. Um, and, but how can you honor the feelings you have? And so I think essentially it was like, well, can I rant to you real quick? I'm really frustrated. <laughs> She's like, yeah. And so I did. And it was great. And I like felt that emotion. And then I showed up and, and I was better showing up to that dinner. And, um, but it was like, okay, how can you honor the feelings you are feeling while owning that you're, you have to show up, but what's a boundary you can set inside of that night that would honor yourself. And I think I said, like, I'm done by 9 PM. And she's like, sweet. Okay. If, if I felt like a boundary got crossed and I got myself in a situation that I can't get out of, how can you still set boundaries inside of it? Sure. Um, that honor yourself. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Good job, Kai. I just, um, I, Sierra said something that brought something up for me. Yeah. Sierra did a great job. She didn't really need my help. I basically was just like, you could say no, but she would look like an ass. So how do we not look <laughs> like an ass? Like, still set boundaries. Cause I think that's important is like, how do we, I'm a very boundary person. I might be the most boundary person that I know. Um, and I am constant and I have to operate that way because I'm a highly sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So I actually am pretty like, yeah, I understand this might be inconvenient for people, but also I move through the world in a way. Um, and so I have to set this up in a certain specific way. And, and the people that know me know and respect it, knowing self and what's appropriate for self is really important inside of that, but also not to be so boundary where you're like saying no to like life either. I think is something that I've really had to learn is like, and there's just straight up times where like, you never want to be that person. That's like, Oh, like, Hey, we were supposed to meet for coffee at, at four, but like running 15 minutes late, like 415. And like, I never want to be that person. That's like, actually, I said that we would meet at four and I don't have space for you. So 415 will not do. I have to take my pet <laughs> to the appointment at five. Like you can't like, I don't want to be that person. I get that some people need that, but I want to be flexible enough for people to be human and still honor myself in the process. So it's like, what's the boundary, but boundary, <laughs> what's the boundary between <laughs> adaptability and like honoring self and like, how can I kind of meet in the middle on there? So that was, uh, yeah, that's all I was saying is like, she did a really good job of being adaptable and boundary, which I think is, is important. So yeah, socially, at least. In well, I think the point you're making guys, I think the whole point of boundaries is so that you can show up in the world as yeah. your best self or show up for your people as much as you want to, not so that boundaries become your whole world. And so the idea that like boundaries for the sake of boundaries, yeah, that's not what we're doing here. We're doing boundaries so that you can show up as your best self. We're doing boundaries so that I can show up for my people as much as I want to, not, not because I just think I want to set boundaries or because yeah. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's not. And the hardest thing in the world, actually, I would say is not setting your boundaries. It's communicating to people after yeah. you set them. Yeah. I yeah. love identifying my boundaries. I'm like, I, I know myself. I love my values. I'm in my integrity. But then the second somebody asks me something that crosses the boundary, then the hard part is like, hey, I understand. I see right now that you're really upset with that person. However, it feels like we're veering into lack of empathy and actually a boundary of mine. Can I communicate a boundary of mine, a boundary of mine and, and actually communicating that is, I, I mean, another story of like literally the day after I set my boundaries, one of those boundaries was no, like 
it's not okay to bypass emotions around me. It's not okay to, um, like not let people feel what they're feeling. And then the next day I had a conversation with my boss where he tried to like spiritually bypass some emotions I was feeling. And I had to stop my boss, (laughs) a 45 year old man and say, Hey, thank you so much. I see that you're trying to make me feel better. I see that you're doing that because you care about me. However, I'm actually comfortable with this emotion and it's a boundary of mine that I feel it. So if you're not comfortable with it, that's one thing, but I'm going to ask you to let me stay here and not fix it because that's what's okay around me. That's the hardest part about Trace. Yeah. And then going to the bathroom, you're like, huh, I just said <laughs> what to who? Um, but I would say that it's, in my experience, like identifying your what's okay and what's not okay makes you feel like a queen. <laughs> it's yeah. communicating that to people that's like, and I'm going to own, I might disappoint you. And that's yeah. okay. I'm going to own, I might, it's going to feel awkward. That's okay. So I would say even the, the hard commit to like, you can set them, communicating them is like the real work, I think. Especially with people that don't understand boundaries. I, I mean, just, I think uh, you guys would all say total honesty here that until dad and I really started getting a grasp of this within the last year, year and a half, that made communication in our family complicated at times because yeah. you three, and we'll get to you, Courtney, in a minute, because Courtney, I think you have been as well been kind of naturally boundaried. I feel like you have kind of understood boundaries before you knew that you were understanding boundaries. I think it's just innate in your personality and Courtney and Courtney is our very discerning child, like all discerning, but she's like the one that like, okay, I got to introduce this guy to mom and dad, but boy, Courtney, <laughs> Courtney's the one <laughs> we really got to get this guy okayed with because if, you know, she's going to, she will never let herself or her sisters settle for anything less than what they're worthy of. So anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But I, I think that um, in the last year, dad and I having the language to say, we've got something really heavy to discuss with you. Um, do you have the, uh, the capacity emotionally for that now? Whereas even like a year ago, when Kylie and Courtney were at home with us um, for a while, I would sometimes have something on my mind, be up for a couple hours, Kylie would come out not even had her coffee yet. And I'd be like, and Kylie had the courage and the emotional um, confidence and maturity to say, mom, not okay. We can have that conversation in an hour or two, or I'll let you know when I'm ready, but I need you to not do that to me when I first wake up in the morning. Okay. Understood. She was very clear. And that was kind of like, oh, yeah. And dad and I were just starting to get into it. And and probably shortly thereafter, we actually, would you agree, Braid? We actually started knowing to ask the question of each other and of them. Yeah, I think we definitely developed that language because of our awesome daughters. Um, I think for me, and I don't know if you want to go to, to Courtney now because I don't want to leave her hanging, but I was going to build off everything that was being said here. I think for me, I actually started doing boundary work well before self-care and self-compassion work Mm. out of necessity. And it's such important work. And for me, because of what I'm walking through therapy wise and all the rest, uh, I've actually 
most of my life, not believed in boundaries. Boundaries are to be broken, to charge through <laughs> um, oh, yeah. and didn't have boundaries. Certainly when I was in higher education athletics, I mean, no. you know, I was working 80 to 100 hour weeks and sleeping three to four hours a night and all the rest. No boundaries whatsoever. I'd go anywhere, meet with anybody, do whatever my bosses wanted me to do and really didn't get much better when we went to Chicago, um, where it really showed up for me was when um, my job before this one, um, I actually knew fairly early, two, three months in that I was working for a batshit crazy boss um, who did not understand boundaries. And I was going to be damned if I wasn't going to be successful in that job. And really what came to be was there was no way to be successful in that job um, with that individual as the leader. And what that experience really taught me was I let that experience change me because I wasn't willing to set up boundaries. I wasn't willing to establish what was going to be healthy for me to have a chance to be successful in that position. And that was a great wake up call for me. That's when I probably really started first thinking about trying to work with trying to develop the skills of boundaries because it transformed me. And then just like everyone's been saying on, on the podcast so far, I can't then be the leader that I want to show up and be um, if I don't know where I stand and if I'm not true to myself. And so that was a great wake up call for me. And I think I've been really working on that for mostly the last three years. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. But just now getting the language because of the great leadership of our awesome daughters. 100%. No, agree. hundred percent. It became a matter of survival in a lot of ways. Yes. Kylie. Can I add on to that? Yeah. I was forced to set boundaries either. And I also kind of see myself having um, known when a boundary was breached as a kid, because when I would express an emotion, um, then I knew that that was a violation and therefore something had been crossed, like something sacred had been crossed. Mm -hmm. So also I think it's important to note that like setting boundaries aren't perfect because I don't know how to set a boundary until it's been breached. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to have to go through some level of trauma at the end of the day. Right. So for me, um, it was the recognition of trauma in my own life and being like, okay, um, trauma has happened. And I, I don't want to assume that this is common for people who, um, which nearly everyone does, but who have experienced trauma. But for me, the main source of my trauma, and I feel like it could be collective is like not feeling safe or like Mm -hmm. some sense of safety has been breached. And so it becomes, how do I build, um, a safety net? And obviously that can become harmful if there's safety nets too high or too rigid, but then that's where that beautiful adaptation of flexibility comes into play. But it was this understanding of like, okay, my body is going to communicate to me um, when something has been breached. So how do I like, like my somatic self, my emotions, my sensational body is going to communicate to me when something has been breached. So like self-care, how do I then honor self and commit to myself and commit to um, creating a safety net for self for body by hopefully um, creating a rhythm that where that doesn't happen or if it happens, there are systems set up in place to where I care for myself properly. So I also think much like survival, you'll either have something that's like breached or you'll feel it in your body. I had chronic illness for years as a kid Mm -hmm. that very much communicated that there was something somatic. There was a disconnect in my body where boundaries needed to be put into place. So it'll either show up in your body or it'll show up um, in 
I don't know, I guess illness or something. I, yeah. I lost emotions. Emotions. emotions are like, yeah, I lost my school. Yeah. It's getting to 10 o'clock. Um, yeah. so well, my, and that's the issue my, with our society, right? I mean, yeah. we're really in a spot with, I would love what you're saying, Kylie, and I'm just now starting that, but our society then says, okay, magic pill will solve that illness, yeah. that sensation, that whatever's wrong. And we've got a magic pill for it. Yeah. Instead, what we should be doing is exactly what you're describing, listening to our bodies, feeling that, knowing where those yeah. sensations coming from, because it's stored up energy from the trauma that hasn't been released from our body. And until we deal with that, it's going to continue to wreck our bodies. Yeah. yeah. The, the fact that they're then, connected. Yeah. Which then, infl- I mean, the emotional body and the physical body is connected. So then it infiltrates yeah. every other part of our life. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. I got past 10 o'clock and it's all, it's really up for grabs after 10. You don't know what's going to happen. That's all right. That's all right, Kai. All the authenticity. Here we go. All right. Cordy Court, our naturally born boundaried child, share with us your wisdom. Uh, Yeah, I think my boundary journey is really interesting, kind of funny, but like not like a ha-ha funny, just like, oh, that's ironic a little (laughs) bit because um, I would say like, tangibly or like um intentionally I guess or consciously I haven't been setting boundaries until recently I would say or I wouldn't have been able to like name like these are my boundaries Mm -hmm. like ever since I was little like my body and my like inner knowing something within me could like read space like and still can like read spaces and is like this this is a safe space or it's not And I like literally can't open up to people or in spaces that aren't safe. Like there's something inherent in my nature and like maybe all of it's not healthy, but I think a great deal of it is. And I think I mislabeled it as like unhealthy when I was little, just because it was different than everyone else or was more heightened, especially at such a young age as like my first grade self was like boundaries are, you know, like a color-coded closet and making your bed right when you wake up type of thing. And like, you don't talk to anybody till that happens and you're waking up. And like, it was just like a structured morning. So I, I could literally wake up and eat my cereal and watch the today show. And like, that was going to set me right before I went off to first grade. <laughs> In my burgundy corduroys. <laughs> but like, and I used to be so frustrated with myself. Um, that I wouldn't just be able to be like bubbly and fun and open up to people right away type of thing. And then later on, or it would be like, I'd be like, I don't know, there's something about this person that's like not right. And friends would be like, come on, like, just give him a chance or stuff like that. And then like, I'll say a hundred percent of the time, most likely pans out person, not worth our time in the slightest Mm -hmm. bit, not worth our time. So like that type of thing or spaces just like, wasn't healthy type of thing and so I think I low-key feel like it's a superpower now um but yeah it just but it's also like I just didn't listen to that for so long I think because I didn't recognize what it was or I didn't recognize that it was my body working for me like not against me Mm, um type of thing and so yeah, I think that's just been kind of like an interesting thing to recognize lately of like, that's always been there. And I know that like little first grade Courtney is looking at me now of like, proud of you, but I told you so, like type of thing, <laughs> you know, like took us this long. But I think it's also been interesting too, because I think I've really started to set it post like competitive athlete life. And I think it'd be really interesting to see 
what setting boundaries specifically like for college athletes or like competitive high school athletes, because we started playing competitive sports at a very, very young age. And so I think most of my recent boundary setting was like, not like not a lot of my time was mine growing up, which is like in a lot of ways was like I was doing stuff that I did enjoy, but nonetheless, like no one teaches kids into like adolescents into college athletes, or I'm, I'm assuming like if you do theater competitively or I'm assuming other things, but yeah. I can only speak to athletes really. Um, like, yes, you want to be committed and you want to reach a certain level and you like have to give up space and time in order to do that in a certain sense but like my god also how do you fight for yourself I think especially within particularly like the college program that Sierra and I were in more so which I don't know Kylie specifically but Sierra and I played for the same program highly structured lots of rules lots of repercussions you know for like things and so um I think I just got out of that realm and was like whoa like this, like my time is mine. Like, um, I have a say I have autonomy and like, it was almost kind of a shock or like a little overwhelming. Um, and I tried to kind of like dole it out or give it away to certain things because I was so unused to it. Um, so like, obviously I'm speaking from like posts that life. So I'd love to like go back into the athlete world, maybe not me personally, but somebody and be like, this is what we're going to do kids because you deserve to have boundaries And yes, there's a commitment level, but like, just like these adults shouldn't own you quite frankly. And I don't know what that looks like, but I know it needs to happen. But anyways, um, just like, yeah, I'm sacred. My space is sacred and I have autonomy on like who gets let into that. And so just going back to that, like then that whatever knowing that I have that knows who's safe and what's safe and what's not. Um, and just getting past the, like, kind of fear that you'll disappoint people because it is true. Like back to the, if the people who don't have boundaries are probably going to be disappointed or not understand the boundaries you set, but like, my God, that's not my responsibility at all type of thing. Like there's a respect to have for people within that. Um, and an understanding to extend when people don't have boundaries, but just like, it just kind of boils down to like, um, just kind of like asking myself, like, what do I want from this life and from this experience? And like, am I getting it? Um, and like, if not, then what are those boundaries that need to kind of take place? And I think too, for me, um, I guess like a harder boundary that's like not as obvious to kind of set is like, I'm a, like a loyalist and like a six on the Enneagram and stuff like that. And so I'm most often the like friend that's reaching out, especially because like none of my friends are in person. We're like scattered across the country. Like I'm the friend who's always reaching out or staying in touch with people and like taking so much pride in that. And I get like complimented on it. Um, But something I've been trying to set like more recently, I think within the last like six months, maybe something like that is um, yes, valuing the friendships, um, that I think are kind of like long-term and we're sticking around, but also like not, um, to a certain extent. And I don't know exactly what this looks like, not giving more than like what I'm getting type of thing, or like the energy I'm putting in, like I am also receiving and like, I deserve to receive that back. And 
it's great that I keep in touch, but I also like as much as it is fulfilling for the people that I'm keeping in touch with, like, is it fulfilling for me um, type of thing, which is like a harder one and a little more of a gray area. And one that's like, oh, why do I take so much pride in like overextending myself kind of like that? Yeah. Um, and then also just realizing that I'm an empath and maybe the biggest empath in the family. I don't know. Kylie and I, we go back and forth. Yeah. Um, but I think I just like was this little kid who was like super strong physically and stuff. And so I just was like, that was kind of what was highlighted about me. But I was just this like gushy little tender ball of mush that would like go and feel things. <laughs> little Courtney would go feel some shit at night. <laughs> I was just like stuck like a little burrito in my bed. And I was like, today was hard or like today was like really happy. But whoa, I feel hungover from all that I felt today type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um And so just like also realizing I'm an empath has been revolutionary in setting boundaries of like, I, I won't recover from that if I take that in right now for like a week. So we're just going to chill. Or like, if those things do come up, I'm calling Kylie and Sierra every day and we're working through it type of thing. Um, but not putting myself, like if I'm not, um, you know, like, like checking myself emotionally and if I'm not in that space, like not kind of taking in those harder, heavier things um, because I feel things deeply, whether that is like pain or joy or sorrow or whatever. And I'll just overflow and be in my room for three days if I try to do it all at once. Um, So yeah, for all the empaths out there. Yeah. Not alone. Shout out. (laughs) That was a lot of word jumble, but. No, that was, it was really good. And And I think that the great thing is you've all spoken to different parts of what it means to you, which I think is great because you guys are all three unique individuals. You have commonalities. You love each other fiercely, but you're also you're very much your own people. And so you very much have your own paths and ways of doing that. And I think it's important for people to know you find your path, find your way, find those those values and don't be afraid to set, make yourself a priority. And Court, you brought up a really good point about putting, making sure that the energy you're putting into relationships, you're also receiving that energy back. I mean, that was a really important conversation that I've had with my counselor over the last year and a half is, you know, as I'm setting boundaries with people that don't understand boundaries, you know, how, you know, how does that, what does that look like? How do I work through that? You know, and she's like, you're only responsible for your part of the relationship. It is not your responsibility to chase them down. And the girls and Brady will agree with this. I am guilty of explaining, overly explaining myself to justify why I'm doing something. And she's like, you don't need to justify that. You've set a boundary. It's important to you. And, and that's, you know, that's what matters. And I, I think that that is something that, um, that you do really well course and you all you all do but i think that i if i if i you know one of the things i have to get past is i wish i would have understood boundaries 26 and a half years ago 27 years ago because bug's almost 27 um because i think that would have um you know that would have changed everything about the way i handled myself and and how we handled raising you but you know we're learning now we're coming together 
And I get, I think my next question, because I kind of, one of the next points we were going to talk about is how we take care of our emotional health as much as our physical health. But I think we've really already addressed that. We've talked about the fact that these things are connected to each other. They're not separate. And so we have to address them together and recognize how those things affect our bodies and not try to um, put them in boxes or compartmentalize them. Would you guys agree with that? Everybody speak up. Definitely. I think that's what I had like thought about previously when thinking about this was like, um, I just don't know if I'll ever define one probably without the other. And I think even more so recently, because like, uh, I think I never took into account my emotional health as an athlete type of thing. Mm-hmm. And no one ever asked. Um, Cause you're just like, it's kind of goes back to the like valid reasons for leaving work or whatever is also like valid reasons for leaving practice or um, that type of thing. And so I think more so than anything now, it's like just asking myself, like, how do I feel how does my body feel? Where's my energy level at? And Kylie and I have dealt with this with our like health issues too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then going from there in terms of what emotional health looks like and into physical health, because a lot of times they are intertwined. So like the emotional health might like a, a lot more lately looks like longer walks or lighter workouts type of thing, um, and tied with emotional health, or it looks like I need a break today and I don't really feel like moving all that much and I don't have to. And I like feel kind of good about that decision versus like, I will feel worse if I make myself do go on a two mile run or something like that. Yeah, And so it's just included a lot more checking in, I think. Yeah. Really good point. Kai, do you have something? I was just going to piggyback off of that. I had a really terrible experience last weekend. And so this week it's really shown up in my body and I'm normally a like movement every day kind of gal in some form or the other. And I like to, I like to do intense workouts because most of the time it really helps my emotional body and it really helps endorphins. Um, I've actually had a week this week though, where, um, I've come out of intense workouts more anxious. And so I've actually had to stop highly intense workouts and I, like four days of yoga. Um, and then like two days of more intense maybe, but it's normally a little more the other side. And so I think part of integrating emotional health and physical health is like losing kind of the stigma around what physical health is in terms of like an arbitrary number or a scale or however that might look for people or what society says physical health is um, for myself. And then realizing like actually taking care of myself one week can really look like a lot of light movement or like yoga or meditation. That's more focused on working through the emotions in my body than like orange theory, burning calories, like all that jazz, um, which is what uh, maybe other weeks it would be the reverse. And so I think, I've really like redefined my, my overall definition of health, Mm -hmm. um, in the sense that it doesn't necessarily mean how I look. I'm trying to decenter appearance-based health and like centralize sensation-based health. So how do I feel Mm -hmm. after a workout or how do I feel after moving my body and how can I best, um, match the movement that I have set for that week with the way that my body is responding to the outer world? Sure. 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, I would definitely love what Courtney and Kylie are saying. And I'm just a one-off, but I believe I'm on this journey now where I believe that you truly can't be physically healthy if you're not emotionally healthy. And that's just the journey I've been on. Um, starting to get into therapy, starting to really deal with, understand my feelings, establish boundaries, do the self-care um, has led to, I think, the secondary thing. Yes, I've lost 65 pounds in the last year, but I wouldn't be there without starting to address my emotional health. I am 100 percent in belief of that, that I wouldn't be where I am nearly a year later if I hadn't started dealing with my emotional health. Oh, so. yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't have been in the ER in September of 2019 if I was emotionally healthy. I mean, the, I yeah. talked about that in the first episode um, quite a bit. And it, there's just no question um, that they're connected. And I think that what I love about our family is and really led by our daughters is that we found that journey and understand that yep. connectivity there. Bug, did you have any thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, the only thing I would say is I remember like this concept of like what is emotional health was really foreign to me when I first started hearing it. So mm-hmm. just like bare bones basics that was like helpful um, was like validate, validate, validate how you're feeling. Ask yourself how you're feeling. Write it down. I think what was crazy for me is when I first started um, dating my partner, Tim, now it was this really crazy revelation that like, oh, okay, not only like before I could just feel how I'm feeling and not have to tell anyone about it. I mean, I was feeling it and I was going to project it on people because your emotions go somewhere. So they come out whether or not, you know, they're coming out. Um, (laughs) but no one's really holding you accountable to that because they're not seeing you all the time. And then all of a sudden you start doing life with this other person. And it's like, oh, oh, you mean you want, to hear why I'm acting the way I'm acting and I have to articulate (laughs) that to you. What? Oh, okay. Hold on. How am I feeling? What are my options? Um, so I think seriously Google, like it was so helpful to me. I just Googled an emotions, uh, like words, feelings chart. I would spend five minutes. This is five minutes of my day, either at lunch, at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, pick three of those emotions, write down why, and then just leave it. Like, you don't even have to do anything beyond that unless you want to take it a step further and ask like, and now what do I need based on those emotions? But I think really bare bones, how do you start investing your emotional health? Like people, like, I mean, all of these people are so literate in now how they're feeling and how's that, how's that affecting their bodies and things like that. Um, but the beginning of that process looks simply like name your emotions, validate them. They're not wrong. They're how you feel. You literally can't control it. They are what they are. Um, and then ask yourself maybe like two sentences of why, and then just like sit there and, and feel it, um, is a good place to start. So that's the only other thing I would add is like, if you're starting from ground zero, which I I was at one point, um, like learn to name them and, and, Thousand percent agree. I've got my feeling wheels. Yes. And don't feel bad if you've got a little goes up because we've been told in our culture that emotions and feelings are bad or a negative thing. And they're our friends. They're they're how we know things are going on with us. But and so we really have to dispel that lie um, about that. And but because we are in a culture where that hasn't been celebrated or discussed, a lot of us, I, I would say for much of my life, I 
I didn't even know how to describe what I was feeling. So if you're in that camp, you're not alone and Google it, Google, Google, it's there. I hope you enjoyed meeting the crooks in part one of episode two. I hope that this gave you a little insight to who we are and how we've arrived on these journeys and our boundary work and our self-care work and how we've learned how to navigate that individually um, with friends and family and with each other as we kind of got to this place at different times and and face some different challenges along the way. So I hope this kind of gives you some insight into that. Next week, we are going to jump into identifying your why and making sure that decisions you make align with that, that it's coming from a healthy place and not just because it's what's expected of you or what you're doing to please people, that it's really coming from a healthy place and how we've gotten there and how none of us have always been there and how we've journeyed to that. Uh, And speaking of expectations, growing out of others' expectations to our own and how we have made that journey. And that's kind of tied in a lot with the why piece and and the boundaries piece that we talked about this week. Accepting the layered aspects of ourselves. And we're going to dive into accepting all of us and not trying to hide or dismiss the parts of us that aren't as fun or maybe were a little ugly or difficult journeys and really embracing the whole piece of who we are and how it makes us our unique, you know, beautiful selves. And how that allows us to live out feel, Um, you know, finding empowerment, embracing layers. And then at the end, we're going to have a fun little rapid fire. And we're going to talk about five activities that nourish each one. And then five words that we hope to um, feel as we live out the next six months. And so I hope that you will join us again next week to learn a little bit more about the crooks and follow us again at Embracing Layers on Instagram. Visit our website, embracinglayers.com. Thank you to my amazing producer, Valencia San Luis, and my amazing Instagram and website creator, media person, Abby Bakel. I could not do this without you. So um, have a great week, and we hope to see you again on part two of episode two. Take care.